0: All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Crypto with English. Now, with anybody in this space, one of the, I guess you could say, pain points or at least some one of the more controversial issues is 401ks. I think as many of us have seen over the past two and a half years, 401ks have acquired a reputation of well-being not exactly the greatest of financial instruments in this day and age. And, you know, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of layers in this subject matter. And of course, we're going to talk about 401ks. We're going to talk about tax issues in crypto space. And we're going to touch on a few other related issues. So this episode today is purely for subject matter informational purposes. This is not an episode for providing or for essentially taking this as a episode for, of financial advice but i'd like to warmly welcome today mariana Pruger. she's the founder of transparent 401k now she is a financial expert uh, she has numerous well uh, <laughs> right well she earned her series 75 i'm sorry 79 65 63 and sixty-two, she worked in the uh, big mm-hmm. banks on Wall Street. She went off. She hung her own shingle, so to say. Has her own business, uh, specializing and you could say unpacking and elaborating and articulating uh, for people strategies as far as four hundred one ks, how to navigate that space. And we're gonna really discuss today cryptocurrencies, four uh, cryptocurrencies, four hundred one ks, how they're related. How can this benefit people? And also, what are people not getting, or let's say, what information is not being articulated properly when it comes to four hundred and one k? So, Mariana, thank you for thank you for coming on to uh, today's show.
1: Oh well, thank you so much for having me. Um, gosh, uh, being an expert, there's so many things that comes to four hundred and one k plans. So, the first thing I'd like to say is. Um, If you have any questions, uh, please chime in. i like this to be as interactive as possible. Um, Absolutely. So starting out with, uh, we all filed our taxes, I think, or for those of you that didn't file extensions or maybe a lot of you did because uh, crypto taxes can be quite complicated. But we're gonna start with how we can save on taxes. And one of the first benefits on saving on taxes is having a uh, traditional 401k plan. And those are either set up by your employer, or if you have your own company, um, you know, you're probably have set one up or in the process of setting them up. And um, yeah, before I begin, I'd like to start out by saying the reason I founded Transparent 401k, um, as Adam was saying, is that I used to work with a lot of big banks and um, and insurance companies. And actually, I was asked to um, consult. Uh, for a particular insurance company that was trying to uh, find and trying to navigate and trying to get more Latinos to participate. Um, They contacted me. I know I'm blonde, but I grew up in South America. So I speak fluent Spanish and they liked the fact that, you know, I can entertain an audience at least in Spanish and talk finance Um, in that time um, and doing some due diligence. I realized quite rapidly that it wasn't only Latinos that needed help. It was like, we all need help. Um, Prior to being a consultant, I worked in private banking where people had minimums of five million and can get access to institutional funds, which are basically funds at a lot lower expense ratios. They also you know, could basically choose what stocks they wanted to trade. Um, And then I immediately thought, well, geez, why can't people that only have maybe $5 or participating in a, you know, company retirement plan, why can't they have access to these low expense ratios or institutional funds Um, or even, you know, self-directed brokerage? So that's, you know, the reason I founded the company. Um, And with that in mind, um, the 401k plans that you would have with transparent 401k offer that flexibility, which is kind of where luckily the market is gone. And we're seeing this kind of with crypto and how that's evolving. And we'll talk about that. Um, But to go back to why you would want a traditional 401k is um, primarily, well, there's pre-tax savings. Um, this year, the IRS, cause the IRS comes up with these numbers every year in 2022, um, you can put away 20,500 if you're under 50. And once you turn 50 or if you're above, you can put away another extra 6,500. So, you know, that's quite a lot of money. That's 27,000. That's pre-tax. Uh, what that means is you don't pay the taxes now, but you would be deferring until you take the money out, which is usually at 59 and a half, not to have a 10% penalty. Right. Um, you also have the benefit for the Roth, which would be putting uh, the money in after taxes now. And then you don't have to worry about the gains, you know, when you retire. Right. Um, you know, if you want to interject, go ahead, Adam.
0: <laughs> sure. Well, I was going to say, so if we, can, um, if we can kind of unpack some of these bigger topics, how would you define a 401k just to the average person on the street?
1: Um, well, it's a, you know, company sponsored retirement plan uh, that allows you to put away money directly from your paycheck into, you know, what's called a, you know, 401 okay plan. So in other words, you can't take out money that you've saved and put it into the plan. It has right. to come from your paycheck. And it also has to meet certain parameters. It has to be what's called a qualified plan. It has to, you know, uh, come under the ERISA and I guidelines. And with that being said, you have to have a record keeper, an administrator that administers the plan and files what's called like a 5,500, which is equivalent to like filing your tax return.
0: Right. Got it. And how are the, I guess you could say when it comes to 401ks, you know, many of them will often track, I guess you could say a certain pool of securities. So how are those pools created by I guess you could say various providers of these plans. And then, you know, obviously the companies take these plans and, uh, you know, have their employees sign up for it. But how are those, how are those securities um, chosen? Because I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, functionally speaking, 401ks, they track essentially whichever securities you choose as far as your 401k. So their values really, I guess you could say either, um, you know, increase or Decrease accordingly. Is that correct? Right. Well,
1: basically, um, as far as your fund options in a 401k plan, those are selected by an advisor. Um, And, for example, Transparent 401k is a registered investment advisor. So someone like ourselves or another firm that could be either attached to, um, you know, big companies like Fidelity, they would, that particular advisor would choose, say, about, you know, 20 funds, it could be less. Um, And those would be, you know, a combination of what's called like target date funds, index funds, maybe some of ETFs. And then the participants would choose either a combination of those funds to build a portfolio, or they would just choose like one target date fund. So as far as tracking, you know, but of course, they're only, you know, the ones that we have currently are not, you know, in the crypto space, if you will. Right.
0: Got it. So uh, what are some of the things that people should know about 401ks and why they're still considered, I guess, for those who are advisors, a very Uh worthwhile um, investment to pursue?
1: Well, um, as mentioned, the tax savings is a great benefit, especially if you're in a high tax state like California or New York. Um, But if you can afford to put in, or pay the taxes now, that's beneficial because you won't have to pay taxes on the gains when you take the money out. You also have institutional access. In other words, if you were do, if you were to invest the same money into like your IRA
2: yeah. and
1: you wanted to get access to what's called an institutional fund, which is basically a fund that takes minimums of say a million dollars at a low expense ratio, there are certain minimums that you would have. You would have, for example, the fund may say you need a million to invest in this fund if you're doing it through the IRA. However, in the 401k plan, if you have the same fund, you don't have minimums. So that's another benefit. You have access to institutional funds. Also, a lot of employers, in order to retain their employees, are offering what's called a match. And so that's, you know, for any money that you put into your plan, you receive a match employer, which is another excellent way to save. Got it. Um, and then also one of the a lot of people are, not aware if they're freelance, you know, working for an employer, um, they can also have what's called a SEP IRA in addition to the 401k. So you can put in the SEP IRA up to 25% of your earnings, up to a maximum of what's this year, 61,000 if you're under 50. So think about it. If you want to defer, you can defer technically up to 61,000 this year an additional 6,500 if you're over 50 and that can make a big difference, you know,
0: got it. And what do cryptocurrencies, uh, and you could say their perceived role, uh, what do you feel they will add to traditional, you could say, investments such as Mm -hmm. 401ks and how do you, how do you, uh, I guess you could say predict or estimate, uh, what the next, you know, maybe five to 10 years will be
1: right well there actually is currently a 401k provider that is providing um, or allowing participants to invest in crypto um, the name of the company is for us all they are in a they have a relationship with coinbase um, however they're being very careful and the reason is there's been a lawsuit especially most recently in 2021 where the advisor and the plan sponsor are technically responsible for any fund that may not be clear to the participant.
2: For
1: example, it could be not only crypto, but crypto, of course, especially because it's so volatile. Um, Even if you have other funds. So this particular company is limiting the allocation of the participants portfolio to 5% crypto. They're not allowing them to allocate more. And they're also right. betting the currencies, you know, the cryptocurrencies that they're putting them in, which they're, you know, right now they're using like the top cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ether, Solana,
2: you know, and those. Um, right. They're also,
1: if for example, in the 401k plans that our firm offers, we have acts, you know, we have exposure to crypto. But that's not real crypto. Those are futures ETFs, you know, like pro shares or sure. you know, you're know, you investing in equities, the companies that actually invest right. in the crypto, but they're not invested in crypto.
0: And for the audience, could you explain what futures are and could you also explain what ETFs are?
1: Sure. Well, basically, futures are an agreement you know, between two parties uh, to sell a particular asset on a future date. Um, so you're basically not trading You're trading on the future price that you think, you know, wherever that contract or spot price is gonna go. You're not actually trading on the spot price, spot the actual price, right? Right. So this allows traders to speculate, right, on how the prices may move in the future, um, you know, with minimal upfront investment. Right. So it's really, you know, these are OTC over the counter. Um, Currently, you know, head of the SEC, thinks that this is a safer way to invest in crypto um, yeah. because currently you know the, the crypto exchanges are not being regulated as right. the otc is now of course the underlying asset is crypto um, as far as what an etf is um first of all if, for those of you that may not be familiar with even mutual fund is they're similar or maybe you are familiar with mutual fund you basically have pooled assets right so for if you had only $100, you could probably only buy one share of a particular you know, stock that you wanted to buy or maybe two, depending on the stock. However, now, if you pool everyone's money and you have more like you know a million dollars, you can buy lots of different shares. And that's pretty much how ETFs work. They basically get together as a mutual fund. But the difference is that they trade. You can trade ETFs intraday. Whereas a mutual fund, you can only trade at the end of the day, you know, by the net asset value. Um, and there's certain tax efficiencies as well. And usually ETFs really are just, um, mirroring an index like the S and P 500.
0: Right. So like, in other words, with ETFs, you are effectively buying almost like a little mini portfolio, uh, that kind of acts almost like an equity. So, uh, you know, I guess depending on what the collective value of, The securities in that portfolio, hence its price, is going to move in whichever direction the market is going.
1: Right, right. Um, And so there are currently over, you know, like I said, over the counter, you can buy um, like the ProShares, you know, the the top um, ProShares Bitcoin strategy ETF. Um, Grayscale has one too. Bitwise has one. Now ProShares... Those are all futures, as I mentioned. So they're not, you know, reflective, but you can get some exposure. Um, The fees are really high. You know, I say especially traditional ETFs, like the S&P 500 can get it at points, which is like, what, 0.04 or even, you know, some, depending on if if it's structured through a trust, it could even be less uh, if you're in a big plan. Now, these pro shares, you know, are like, gosh, that one I believe is 0.95%, almost 1%. Uh, Bitwise is like two points. So think about it on 1 billion, 2.5, they're making over 21 million. That's a pretty good um, place right. to be right now. <laughs> if you're a custodian, right. the, uh, maybe they yeah. like that delay from Gary Gensler. But anyway, um, aside from that, it just was announced. I don't know if you read that, you know, in Australia, they're going to come out with the first spot ETF that's going to trade on the Australian market. Next oh year.
0: yeah. Uh-huh. Right, what was that on, on the ASX? Right.
1: ASX. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Got so it. that's pretty
1: exciting. Um, and then what I would say, well, there's a couple of things that are um, that you could do right now, um, apart from you know definitely making use of your 401 k plan if you have one or setting one up or also using an IRA you know or a SEP IRA. Um, right. You have crypto IRAs that you know have come about and less you know come about. That sounds like a Canadian. I think I've been speaking to too many Canadians lately. <laughs> no, that, right? no, you're fine. Um, I'm not from Canada. I'm, I'm just, I've been in many places my whole life, but not Canada. <laughs> um, so, uh, going back to that, we have a couple of um, crypto IRAs, which allow you to, you know, get that tax benefit. You can put six thousand dollars in I in an IRA if you're under fifty, or seven thousand dollars.
2: Right. Once again, if
1: you set up an, a SEP IRA, you can put in a max or the lesser of 25% of your, you know, income. So that could be a lot more up to 61,000. Right. And So there's a couple of companies that are doing that right now. Um, and I would be wary, you know, check the fees because, you know, you're getting that tax benefit, which is great because you can trade right. in, in that crypto IRA. But if you're, you're, you know, usually these fees can be pretty high right. um, because there's a maintenance fee. There's a um, security fee. Uh, because you know, they they have to report to the IRS. Um, and you want to really make sure that, uh, yeah, you know, security is a big thing. Insurance. Some of them offer insurance, check the storage if its cold storage, what the authentication is, you know, if there's a setup of minimums. Um, but I think that's a really great place to be if you, you know, there's some really good ones. Alto IRA, uh, has right. deal with base. I think that one's pretty good. Um, but make sure that they know what they're doing. I just randomly called a couple of them and I asked them if I could set up a SEP IRA and the person that answered the phone didn't even know what a SEP IRA was. (laughs) (laughs) I was a little concerned to say the least. I said, "Uh, can you check? And they're like, no, just IRAs. And I go, I know, but SEP IRA. And then they got back to me and they said, yes, yes, we can do that. Right. just a little. Just concerned, just saying. Got
0: it. And I got a question from one of my viewers last night, just kind of uh, putting out the word on this. And he was wondering, uh, why use 401ks if I could just put my crypto tokens, cryptocurrencies in a wallet that have these like 10 to 15% uh, APYs per year? Now, playing devil's advocate with that, I think I could at least see perhaps one of the advantages being that... And this has happened a few times over the past few years, but certain wallet, <clears throat> excuse me, certain wallets have uh, experienced security issues, so to say, people's tokens disappearing, you know, so to say, you know, people's, I guess you could say, personal information, uh, essentially being uh, unfortunately exposed. That that would be one of the things I can think of off the top of my head, you know, as great as cryptocurrency is, but if we were to play devil's advocate, certain wallets have experienced certain security issues but anyway the question to you uh how would you answer that to uh, I guess somebody who's saying why don't I just put everything in a crypto wallet like what instead of you know going to essentially you know a regulated exchange to buy Mm -hmm. you know some sort of like crypto ETF to put in a 401k you know something like that
1: oh well I I agree I think that um or had any knowledge of crypto? I mean, a lot of people don't have knowledge of crypto, right? That's why they're choosing the crypto ETF to get exposure, especially when they saw sure. the price. Yeah. Of course, they've gone right. down if you look a year from now. But, you know, I believe especially a lot of crypto is, is going to rise, obviously. So if you're if you're someone that's knowledgeable and can set up your own wallet, I would do so. But I would consider doing so through an IRA. You know because you get the tax benefit that's the benefit of doing it through a 401k is the tax right. benefit you don't have to pay the taxes on the trading right now if you're just you know uh, that's still, still true you know you're, you're and you're getting actually exposure to actual crypto not a futures contract right. so um but if you want the tax benefit um you know an ira or doing crypto through an ira is beneficial it's no. also good to always you know we're still jeez, crypto is just one part of the market. You you still want to be invested in equities, right? This is your retirement we're talking about. Um, Last I checked, we're still heavily into stocks, and we will be for a long time.
0: Right, indeed. And moving on from that, let's talk about Latin America. So El Salvador really, I think, really impressed the world by adopting Bitcoin as legal tender. And there's been murmurs, whispers, and there's been some further evidence of other countries in Latin America that are going to be moving in that direction as well. Uh, I've heard things about uh, Brazil, possibly Argentina, uh, among those countries who may also be considering moving in that direction, just based on, I guess, current bills and legislation they're trying to essentially pass at the moment. So I was kind of wondering, could you talk about your background growing up in Latin America and some of uh, the business that you've done there and, uh, what your take is on, uh, how that will end up playing out.
1: Um, sure. So, well, I grew up, uh, since I was G three years old, um, uh, grew. It was mostly in my elementary school, then Columbia, uh, mostly Bogota for junior high and then Argentina. Um, I've been mostly going back and then I studied actually in Mexico as well. in college. Wow. Um, so you know if you grow up in these countries you quickly realize one is inflation especially in argentina i remember just going to the grocery store or little store down the street which was like kind of like a little circle store you get you know fruits and vegetables and every day the price that the lady would come out and she would have a different uh, price on her list they wouldn't even put the the stickers on the prices we thought wow it's so cool we got america that you know (laughs) oh yeah So, you know, that means inflation. And then also we experienced, um, unfortunately, through relatives that had, you know, banked in Brazil and Argentina that lost a lot of their money at one time and they couldn't take it out. Um, You know, what we see also in Ukraine, if there's a crisis, you know, having crypto, you can just, you know, you don't have to go in line and be at the ATM. Right. So growing up in this type of background, crypto definitely makes sense right now in Argentina um people are trying or prefer getting people think oh my gosh it's so volatile but yes for you know volatile with the chance of going up whereas in argentina it's usually going down um (laughs) it makes a huge difference so i definitely see an embrace um although some of the legislature in argentina wasn't very favorable um to bitcoin and, and then just you know the regulation but, you know, considering that most people um, and they're one of the leaders, actually, I think we're, we're heading there. Uh, I don't think these countries have a lot of options, you know, so, right. um, you know, it's definitely. And, and I think just to secure, you know, not having to rely on the bank to control your money or, or taking it out when you'd like it to be there. If there's another coup or crisis. Um, but, you know, also in terms of just blockchain and real estate, and and knowing that you know your property is not if it's going to you know change hands that it, we don't think about these things as much but down there it's a, definitely something that we can relate to
0: right so if you had to choose as far <laughs> as the future of latin america and cryptocurrency it's probably a bit more on the bullish side based on current economic political conditions it seems like people are more or less fed up with uh, a lot of things that have probably been happening for 20 plus years.
1: Right, I, I completely agree. And if you look at, gosh, just the launch of a lot of the the apps and, and tokens um, to assets that everyone's coming, I mean, that, you know, our great developers are coming out with, um, you get access in emerging markets quicker than you do in the United States. Right. So um, it makes complete sense. I mean, looking back, even in Africa, people were paying with their phone before mobile payments in the U.S. You know, right. it was just a matter of supply and demand. You know, people didn't have cash or didn't carry cash. Um, they can't bank. So, yeah, it's yeah. definitely where mm-hmm. we're heading. Um, and then just to go back, we also – you you were talking, out about index funds, which are great, but we do also have um, crypto index funds, which are a great yeah. way – yeah, and some of these allow you to actually – um, you know, get a return and, and get some of the benefit, the same benefits that you would right? You know, instead of having a futures ETF. Um,
0: right.
2: So, yeah. and
0: as far as these crypto index funds, uh, if you can <laughs> provide some uh, more info and some details about this, uh, what's, what's, uh, what consists of uh, the pool of these funds? Is it like Bitcoin and Ethereum mixed with uh, some other <laughs> coins and, so yeah there. it
1: depends on the the index that they're tracking if you will yes. so and of course this is all new in the crypto space so you've got like say crypto right. 20 um that's designed to track the 20 cryptocurrencies um by market capitalization so those would be like you know the top ones that you coin get go bitcoin right. ethereum um and then um you've got you got a really interesting crypto uh, currency called uh, index called DeFi Pulse, and that's designed to track the performance of the major tokens in decentralized finance. Got um, it. That one's really interesting as well. Um, just from you know anyone that like trades crypto, um, one way to get leverage right is to see what the. You know these index indices are doing right. You know if they're right. buying, you're like, hmm, are they selling? Are they buying? Where are they going? It's a good way to track. Um, we, there's also a really cool NFT index, the Crypto NFTI, and that's digital assets that are part of the non-fungible token industry. And you can get access to these. Some of them are on Gemini, or one of them I know the big the Crypto Twenty is. Um, the other one. Uh, you can get on um, Sushi, sushi swap if you really want a pure decentralized mm-hmm. experience.
0: But oh, yeah.
1: I definitely think that this is, you know, where the industry is heading. Absolutely. Having these crypto indices and really, you know, letting up on those huge fees that these, uh, I would say they're still pretty conventional bankers <laughs> making yeah. money off people that are trying to retire. But I guess, you know, it's people are always trying to, you know, take, marginalize what you can, right?
0: (laughs) Right, right. And to go on to another, I guess another topic, when it comes to the tech centers in the United States, so traditionally it had been San Francisco, Palo Alto, Silicon Valley, if you will, and New York. And probably Boston to a much lesser extent, but that also seems to be changing as well. So you could almost say that the tech scene was almost bipolar, um, okay. really with the East Coast and the West Coast, and really those two major cities. That has changed. So now, if I mean, if not unofficially, but soon to be officially, it's Miami and then awesome. Austin.
2: Yeah. So
0: with your experience, you know, living out in San Francisco. Being in Northern California, having exposure to, you know, um, you could say the tech scene, Silicon Valley and fundraising. Why do you think Miami and Austin uh, will likely be the future and perhaps maybe even a third, you know, major city that, you know, many of us may just not know of yet? You know, so if you could like talk about some of your experiences in Northern California, you know, in that region and provide your take on what's going on right now.
1: Um well yes, I was very fortunate to move to the Bay Area, gosh, um, beginning of two thousand. And so that was like, you know, right when the oh, market yeah. crashed in April. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I did work with a few companies, actually. I, I my my one regret was not taking the Google offer. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Hindsight twenty twenty. Right, <laughs> yeah, the rescue. Um so I mean it's been always a great place and such a mecca. Starting out even before then, with you know Apple and HP, and you've got all the great universities—Stanford, Berkeley. Um, sure. So I think it's going to be a center for a lot of innovation and new ideas. Um, and it's just you know the network, and the ability of you know, you know, being an entrepreneur there is just everybody's an entrepreneur it's something very common whereas you know before um, places like texas or even florida it wasn't very common to be an entrepreneur everybody was you know working for a company you know but you know obviously yeah, every every changes and i would say the bay area the cost has been very cost prohibitive the um you know i'm not into talking about politics but it's not as business friendly As places like Texas or Florida, so it has some major challenges, and um, you know you just feel that you can't be as creative out there as much uh, sometimes because there is some an editing factor if you're not you know I guess. You know, complying with what is considered to be, sure. you know, the the Silicon Valley way, if there is a way, where so. And by the know, way, there's
0: no filter here. <laughs> so if there's if there's a more blunt way that you feels more exactly. appropriate, but by all means, like uh, by all means, say it. Mean, thank you know. God,
1: blunt jokes are still legal. You know,
0: I'm, <laughs> right. you
1: know, I'm not very smart, so <laughs> I I like humor. Um all you know manifested in, in people wanting to move to places um like miami um sure. texas i mean it also you know miami has a great nightlife
0: yeah <laughs> that's know,
1: true fun i mean literally if you compare the two hanging out at night in, in bay area versus miami i think a lot of people would
0: oh yeah it. i mean i used to live in <laughs> south florida so literally you know you can get off work and within minutes already be at the beach, you know, this is whether you're in Fort Lauderdale or Miami, it's, it's very, very convenient to say the least.
1: Right. And I think people are just tired of, you know, everything has to be this way, that way. And it feels a lot more open from starting from, you know, the, you know, we have lockdowns I mean, pretty much right. in Texas. I mean, everybody has their own opinions and you're entitled to those and that's great. You know, no one says you can't keep your mask on. You can still keep it on now if you want, make yourself happy. Right. If it's the mask, right. if we feel more comfortable or if it's, you know. Um, so I think a lot of that is, you know, has to play. Not only, you know, during COVID we all were forced. I was always a very digital digital nomad from years ago but people that weren't using zoom or the internet they're all working from home so it doesn't make sense to have these expensive office spaces people right. are also you know used to getting calls with the dog in the background uh, which was only a sure. thing. <laughs> so it's Congrats. like what and, and frankly you know now it's so expensive to drive to work so everybody's working from home you know
0: <laughs>
2: right
0: no those are all you know very good points and i think you know speak candidly I think it's been particularly obvious the past 10 years, but before 10 years ago, I don't really recall business being so politicized, so to say. So especially because you used to live in the Bay Area, was there a certain moment that you started to see the writing on the wall? Because I think, you know, without a doubt, uh, that has been a deterrent for people. I think people really just want to go to work and if they're entrepreneurs, they really just want to create a product or service, make money and, you know, live comfortably, you know, right. and, and, you know, live a decent life. So being up there, considering the fact that, you know, a large amount of tech in- innovation in the U.S. comes from there, right. uh, I was going to say, was there a certain moment or a certain year or a certain event where you kind of started to see the writing on the wall? Because you know, if this was the 90s or early 2000s, I don't remember it. That's what I mean. So like, I'm thinking if this was like the 90s, you know, when I think when all those, you know, when all those like uh, really awesome computer games were coming out, you know, it, it seemed like a, it seemed like a very, very fun place back then. And in Absolutely. fact, uh, you know, being a kid, uh, I have to say, uh, you know, I envision California to be honest, kind of more along the lines of 80s action movies. Baywatch, that was my perception of California back then, yeah. so to say. Uh, and, and by the way, you know, I, I kind of mean that in jest, but when it comes to tech in Silicon Valley, I really looked at it as it's a fun, relatively sunny place mm-hmm. uh, for entrepreneurs if you want to do something very creative in tech. So right. uh, since you've been there, I'm sure you have a great amount of context to uh you know expand on and you know perhaps you know articulate
1: yeah i mean i think that um you know uh the ideas of encouraging or or, you know people that were not able to achieve certain positions because of their uh gender or now you can't even say gender (laughs) race. so that was obviously and being mindful of the environment that all has its place. And it's definitely encouraged. Um, I think that what happened though, people got so extreme that only one idea of reaching that goal um, was the way to do things. And if you didn't, you know, if you said one thing or you didn't say another, then you either get ostracized or you'd get very uncomfortable. So topping probably about 2015, 16, I, you know, really, I started noticing the change. People actually are really kind of <clears throat> you know fed up with that because you would see that people would just say something when they weren't in public and they're like oh you say that oh my gosh I can't believe you know you're one of them or those or like oh my gosh, What is this one of them <laughs> right. um, And you never experienced that before you know um, And to give an example in, in my 401k plans, I was one of the first um, RIA firms to have ESG funds in my plan. I was also very clear on, you know, not just any fund that had a high fee and that claimed to be ESG. And I'd be like, okay, you want, you don't want oil, but then you want to, you know, import it from some Middle Eastern dictator. Sure. Um, uh, I grew- can you ex-
0: could you also explain to everybody what an ESG fund is?
1: Okay, sure. Um, ESG is an enviro- social, environmental, social, you know, uh, governance fund, basically a fund that is, you um, when you're investing your money, you're being investing in good causes, right? And right. those would be like the environment or social, um, equity or whatever it is. So, you know, people want to make sure that they're they're you know, at the time, people didn't want to have their money and you know, they're like bad oil companies or bad things
2: right. like that. But yeah. at the end of the day,
1: I, I mean, I always was very clear with my plant sponsors, I'm like, you can't, you, you being. It's a liability. You can't say what is good for your participant or what is really good. You know, who knows? Well, I know Apple is have these Chinese factories is hiring illegals or the battery, you know, companies are great. But they're, you know, getting, you know, especially at the time when they just started. These batteries—they're from mines in, you know, Africa—and there's child labor, and there's cobalt, and there's all types of stuff. And then there's how do you dispose of them? So who are you to decide this is the best? We could provide those funds, but we also want to have a balance. And I think that's sure. where things went south: was they forgot the balance, and all of a sudden someone became god. Right. I don't know what it is, but it's like you got edited if you weren't with this or that, you know, Right, you know, it's knocked off, you know, just, you know, anyone that you don't have to agree with them. But, you know, have
2: a different perspective. I think that's healthy.
0: Right. And when it comes to entrepreneurship, you know, this is something that's very individualistic, very free thinking. It's it's very much for the creative. And, uh, yes. you know, you could say, uh, enterprising type individuals, you know, these are people who are, you know, tend to be more like abstract thinkers, people kind of operate, you know, outside of the box. So Absolutely. with the various changes going on, it seems like it's really migrated a lot of, in a lot of ways into this group think type of hive mind of sorts, where mm-hmm. a, a, it seems like everybody has to be on the same wavelength at the same exact time all the time in and outside of work.
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Being an entrepreneur, I've always been very independent. And the reason I started my company was because I went uh, against the grain. You You have to be, you know, often rebellious or wanting to. Right, um, rebellious,
0: absolutely. And many entrepreneurs are.
1: And, you know, they shake up the system. That's what crypto is about. It's like, we don't have to do things like the way they've been done. I mean, that's, you know, great that worked, but these things didn't work. so that's where I think it's dangerous if you're, you know, put into a place where, you know, you're edited or deleted just because you don't have this mindset or that mindset. Um, right. It's not healthy. And definitely entrepreneurs don't want to fall under that. So, you know, there you go. Florida, um, Austin, right. um, places like that, you know, for, for various reasons, for that, for the, you know, cost of living, um, business friendliness. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah and you know that also leads into my next question so since you've had the benefit of living in the bay area for a while and also living in texas how significant is it uh of elon musk a moving tesla to texas but also b what he's doing right now with twitter Twitter, yeah yeah, if you want to expand on that
1: uh in what regard i mean it like well
0: first the move uh, tesla (laughs) from from california to texas
1: yeah, well, he, he made it very clear that California was not, California actually helped uh, Elon launch Tesla in many ways from investment right. in his, you know, company initially and, and being some of the first, um, you know, people out of California to realize what he was doing and support it. Uh, but then he realized that, um, and who am I to say, because I'm just from what I read and observe, um, you know, he you know California just became very restrictive and it wasn't a friendly state for, for what he did you know, business wise and all that he was contributing. So Austin made perfect sense. Um, and then going from that, him being very vocal and having his perspectives, um, you know, not, you know, Twitter doesn't always agree with that. Um, I'd like to say, actually, you know, I did one of the first 401k plans um, I presented. It was at Twitter,
2: wow.
1: <laughs> South Park in San Francisco. And that was when I so, was so. actually consulting for Transamerica. And I met the team and I was like, how is this Twitter thing going to work? There was only 10 people at the time. So wow. exciting, yeah. Uh, but anyway, cool. things, you know, used to be pretty open on Twitter and, you know, right. uh, and, um, you know, we have fact checks. We have a lot of different things that are allowed and not allowed and different reasons. Um, so I think it would be great if we could have uh, more diversity on that platform, if you will. I think it's diversity. Uh, yeah. I think even is is trying um you know they, they they have a poison pill which basically means um they allowed more investors to buy shares at a discount which kind of diluted his position Right. Uh, unfortunately you know who are, who are the big shareholders of twitter we've got what vanguard is a big one just look at those yeah black, that's black right.
0: rock black rock too yeah <laughs>
1: um so i always follow the money follow the money you know where's the money what are the interests of the organizations what,
0: um, you know, right. And by the way, thank you for touching on the poison pill. That was actually another question I got, uh, the other day as well. Uh, can you explain that? And and again, thank you for, for touching on that. Cause now the term, the poison pill, as far as, you know, these types of situations is coming up. So talk about the process of how companies are essentially going to dilute shares and heavily discount them to let's say, you know, stop or thwart uh, a takeover source.
2: well
1: that's i mean i mean kkr was known as being you know the hostile takeover right and and basically for any in order to have control of a company right you need to own over 50 percent just to kind of simplify this
2: right
1: um and so elon musk was trying to you know you can either acquire shares with a which basically means your shareholders say a higher per their shares and they may accept it or not. Um, and then you also can buy a certain amount of shares to get over that 51%. Uh, you can do it through different companies. Um, you every time you buy over 5% or a certain percentage, you have to disclose this either in your 13F filing so the company's aware of what's happening if there's, you know, a right. potential mm-hmm. takeover. Um, but what the the flip side of the, you know, they have a board, right, that makes most of the decisions and and they're represented by the different... Um, you get a board seat based on your ownership, right, in a company. And, right. um, yeah, uh, current members of the board are not happy with Elon taking this position. And so um, would they, would they in turn as majority owners of Twitter, uh, shareholders to be able to buy more shares of Twitter at a discount to what, you know, the price is? So this in effect right. would allow the existing shareholders to have more control and more, you know, higher percentage. And that would in turn dilute the ownership of someone like Elon or who's on the other side of China get more control of the company.
2: That right,
0: right. And, that. It's, and and go into the, and by the way, go into the poison pill example. Yeah. And Let's say if a company using that method, what harm and what self-inflicted wounds are they going to put on themselves in the short term in the long term by doing something like that? Because obviously Elon Musk is, is very much both an inspirational and also a controversial individual. So let's say by Twitter, taking the poison pill approach to prevent him from essentially you could say effectuating a true takeover, how are they Uh shooting themselves in both feet, you know, in the current and in the future, you know, by doing this, by trying to, let's say, thwart this effort on Musk's behalf? Um, What was
1: that? Like what, what you consider to be. Right. Yeah. How are they,
0: how are they self-sabotaging themselves? So to say (laughs) by, by doing this, using this approach
1: right well that's you know all it comes down to you know corporate governance the a lot of things pr i mean the image right that the company has to um to you know it's not only affecting the people that are are not following twitter i mean there's a lot of ways we could go down you know depending on what rabbit hole you want to go down on how it's affecting Mm -hmm. people i mean just from the people that own the shares uh financially i mean um not
0: really clearly. yeah well I, I guess well I guess maybe one, one thing I I could, I could throw I could throw out there uh, mm-hmm. how how attractive is it right now to create competitors of of and against Twitter because I guess one can make the argument Twitter is a publisher so they have a large audience across continents across countries so even though they're not a government organization, At the end of the day, whatever they publish greatly influences things like politics, even financial policy and and things like that. So right now, is Twitter going to put themselves in a position where because they're thwarting somebody like Elon Musk from doing this, Mm -hmm. they're also going to enable their successor in the very near future? Because I think maybe if this was five years ago, we could say, okay... Twitter pretty much has the lion's share mm-hmm. of, you could say, public discourse, the public dialogue of sorts. You know, when, mm-hmm. when a celebrity, somebody famous or a politician says something controversial, more often than not, it's on Twitter. I'm even talking well beyond Donald Trump. This, these are many, right. many celebrities. If this happens, is Twitter putting themselves in a situation they're going to shoot themselves in the feet because people are just not going to take them seriously anymore? people are really going to think, okay, well, if they're really going to censor somebody like Elon Musk, well, there has to be a better solution to this. Like I'm thinking if you're a competitor of Twitter, and let's say you're relatively obscure, up and coming, not a lot of people know about you. If I was that other competitor, I'm thinking, you know, this is this is a good opportunity to strike right now. Twitter mm-hmm. is going to lose credibility. And perhaps by losing credibility, their price is going to... The price may plummet in the near future, maybe just maybe even this year, maybe within the next few months. I know this is kind of rabbit hole thinking, but this is what I'm thinking. I think, I think, in the I think by the short-term approach, by preventing an Elon Musk takeover by using the you could say, the poison pill approach, they're gonna lose their perceived monopoly in this space. And I think I think eventually this is only gonna confirm to the public that they are exactly what what critics you know regardless of where you are on the spectrum what critics think of them you guys you group this consortium of you can say shareholders you know the members of the board of directors you really want certain dialogues and, and and if there is something on the outside of that you will essentially do a poison pill approach or do you Whatever it takes to thwart something like that, you know, so to say. So I would, I would say this: if, if Twitter, if they were, I guess you could say, willing to bite the bullet, so to say, mm-hmm. by allowing an Elon Musk takeover, they might hold kind of that perceived monopoly over public discourse. Because then people think, okay, you know what? There is room. There is room here to, you know to get in other voices, to throw in other opinions. I feel like now it's like, okay, it's on. They are exactly who we think they are, so to say. So I'm I, my feeling is this, and I know this is, like I said, I know this is kind of rabbit hole thinking. There may be another successor in the very near future to, to a Twitter because I think uh, Twitter may just go from being kind of this publisher to kind of an echo chamber. And it might just be a dwindling echo chamber over time that was a lot i know but uh that's where my mind was heading at
1: (laughs) right i mean i i agree with you i mean the whole thing with um sorry about that No, no twitter has the ability to be really a private company but it's acting as an extension of policies from the government right where where is that disconnect right um You know, I think Jen Saki made it kind of clear when uh, she mentioned that, you know, they talked to Twitter and Twitter. You know, there were a lot of quotes in the right. conversation. People just say things out of you were like, oh, OK, so you say what Twitter can say or not. So that that's, you right. know, some of the main issues. Right. Is, is this really a private company? I mean, a public company, but separate from, you know, being protected right. from government or, or able to do this. So, yes. And, and edit people or take people off, I mean, because of right. that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see, definitely. And, um, yeah, even has a, a big, strong presence in Austin. He's also reason that Austin has been another place for people, to you know, really wanting to go to, whether you like him or not. Um, right. Yeah, so... Exciting, exciting times, you know, uh, to be in uh, crypto and uh, blockchain and um, shaking up the political spectrum, new elections coming up in December. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I've I've never seen a time where people are so polarized, but I'm hoping that people focus on, you know, we all want to make we all want to have fun. Um, You know, let's just um, let's make it happen and, and. and, and be and be real and be, be more open, um, but but not so contentious. I don't know. I'm not saying it correctly, but
0: <laughs> no, all the no worries.
2: and
0: uh, <laughs> just... right. No, no, no worries. And you know, like I said, I think that was kind of a loaded uh, question and explanation. I th- I threw out there, but I do speculate. Yes, and I would even say predict by doing the poison pill approach. Uh They're only confirming unpopular sentiment that a lot of people feel, feel, you know, towards them. And then I think, in fact, they're also building their next competitor. I actually think they're feeding their next competitor by by doing this right now, because I think if they didn't take the poison pill approach and let's say uh, let's say Elon Musk in what would be maybe as fair as can be, you could say (laughs) a takeover so to say, mm-hmm. for the most part, I think Twitter will be will be essentially the main platform for many for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if anything is true nowadays, not a lot of things are foreseeable. But <laughs> I think Twitter would have at least you could say calm those voices down.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: they would, they would still have that part of the market, you know, people that are cynical, skeptical, looking uh-huh. for alternatives. Now, I think by doing this, they're essentially, this would, this would essentially almost be like the, uh, the Romans arming the barbarians, you know, who, who eventually took over and burned the whole city down. That's what I, I kind understand. of think it is right now.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. you know,
0: so, you know, I love medieval history. So that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what it looks like to me. They're kind of almost enabling and creating the, uh, you know, the next warlord or, or conqueror to displace them in this space. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I concur. Um, I mean, nothing gets, you know, people more angry than being edited or being perceived mm-hmm. certain ways or deleted or um, you create a a stronger unity and army and distrust, you know? Right. Because, you know, if you're if you're right and you have a solid argument, why not debate it? Why does it really matter? What what are you afraid of? You know, what are you afraid of? Why fear? Fear is when you're not confident.
2: You know, are yeah.
1: afraid. People don't like change. This is psychology now, right? We right. don't like change. People are afraid of change. Um, that's why we need entrepreneurs because they put themselves first and they're risk takers. <laughs>
2: right. Right. And we have
1: we have change, but um, when you start, you know, when when someone ta- you know you can't say this, you can't say that, and and people are afraid of different opinions. Uh, in the name of fear, there's something else that people are hiding. They have an agenda. I don't. I don't buy it.
0: Um, right. So
1: um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. You know, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, and by the way, that's not to say that you know Silicon Valley is you know uh, you know it's not like it's you know like a ghost town or something like that. But over the past few years, a significant amount of business and liquidity has mm-hmm. exited that part of the country. And now uh, places like Miami and Austin have sprung up, especially in this new decentralized finance, you know, type world of you know blockchain and you know cryptocurrency. And I do have to say, one of the one of the great features of this space, and I think the culture of this space is, it's very pure in comparison. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think with cryptocurrency and in blockchain and related technologies. People, uh, I think people are more, more into the tech and more into the solutions, uh, either because of in spite of what's going around in, in, every, in every direction. So you're not going to essentially be encountering blockchain projects that are super politicized or just kind of filled with policy you know, so to say, you know, a lot of these projects that come out, it's because, you know, you read their white papers, you read about the founding team, you know, these are really cool solutions for some very complex problems. And I think for once people are like, oh, wow, I can kind of relax. I can really read something that is what it is. I'm reading about tech right now. I'm reading about, you know, decentralized tech with, let's say, a token and an NFT ecosystem, you know, so to say. So in many ways, it's probably the most down to earth, um, and practical, uh, mm-hmm. you could say, space. And I think it brings also those type of people down to earth. Practical, inventive, creative. Mm-hmm. and I think generally optimistic. I've, I've seldom met anybody, if anybody, who's ap- who has some sort of apathy in this space.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I, I'd say almost everybody is very, very passionate and enthusiastic mm-hmm. about, you know, the promise and the potential that's here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. That's why I really... One of the reasons, many reasons I embrace uh, crypto and blockchain. Um, Not only because of the opportunities that you can do with this new technology. And there's just a lot more transparency. It's more efficient. It's more global. Um, I mean, I would like to see a blockchain of where the money goes that goes to the politicians. You know? I mean, it's hard. Yeah,
0: well, imagine if voting was on the blockchain. You know, that would... uh (laughs) Well, I, I think those in D.C. would not like that. That's for one. <laughs>
1: you know, I mean, there's, you know, there. a lot of the money goes through nonprofits, but I'd like to see the money in nonprofits. I mean, I've never seen so many people in nonprofits I mean, that make unlimited I mean, salaries, you know? Right. How about that? Where does, does the money really go for that project? Or, you know, that would be just having that disclosure and transparency would be great. Um, right. Going back to what you were saying, I mean, unfortunately, industries like, say, even... You know 401ks or things that have to be regulated which is a good thing um but often you know it's about who's going to be the custodian of like say these traditional 401ks that may have crypto uh saying it's like you, the usual big banks i get into the cus you know become custodians and then they get the contracts you know it's like this right <laughs> um you know i
0: right and, and by the way, I think even when it comes to blockchain and voting, yeah. I think maybe one of the fears is, and I'm speculating yeah. here, there may not be this bipolar Republican-Democrat system anymore. You know, I look at, yeah. you know, Europe and, you know, in some of these elections, they have 5, 10, even 15 political parties, you know, going, you know, going forward, you know, let's say the prime minister role and, you know, various other roles. And, you know, for many, many years, since I was a little kid, people were always talking about What about a third party? You know, that would be nice. Like people have been saying that since I was, you know, since I was, you know, like in uh, elementary school. So, you know, if you had a system where where blockchain and voting (laughs) were essentially in the same ecosystem, you're going to start having, you know, otherwise, you know, you could say, you know, uh, apathetic. Cynical, skeptical voters thinking, "Oh, well, maybe this, maybe there is an avenue for a third way or a third party." You know, uh, you know, for this. I know many years ago, um, Jesse Ventura in Minnesota, mm-hmm. he he ran on the Reform Party, and you know, in all fairness, he was considered one of the best governors ever over there. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, for instance, and you know, there's also been attempts, you know, throughout history here in the U.S. of, you know, third party members holding very high posts, and frankly speaking did very well. And it's not just Jesse Venturi either, but like, you know, that's just one example I'm, I'm throwing out there. Uh, you know, this may uh, be a sledgehammer to the status quo. And I think that that is what a lot of people are afraid of, uh, in that world in DC. <laughs> yeah. I
1: mean, hopefully, hopefully we'll get there. I really hope so. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, I think about the solutions this could you know, possibly bring and, uh, you know, transformation is both promising and scary. But uh, I think especially if if you're in the status quo and let's say benefiting from a lot of these bad things that have happened over the past few years, then I would imagine there is an especially great fear of something like a decentralized system to turn all that upside down on its head. Right.
1: Yeah, it's all about, you know, Control power, so yeah. rewards from a centralized system, or any system that benefits you, um, you know, unless you've been investing. A lot of you know,
2: <laughs> right? A lot of
1: them, um, you know, people in the Middle East not only invest or have their, you know, make most of their money from oil, but they invest heavily in other projects. So you want to diversify, but obviously, um, status quo that people want to maintain the status quo. Um, right. They don't. They don't like change. Not a lot of people like change because it requires right. effort. It requires, um, you know, getting out of your comfort zone.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you know, anything can happen. So, and I'm very much a glass half full type of guy. So, I'm very, very excited to see what's going to be coming up in the future. Uh, as far as your business, Transparent <laughs> 401k. Uh, what projects and uh, what things do you hope to accomplish this year?
1: Um, well, I mean, I, right now well, in California, there's a, a new rule that requires companies of a certain size to have a retirement plan. So it keeps me pretty busy. Got um, it. So signing up, you know, I would say there's many plans that are are great plans. I would never put my name on anything. That's not a good plan for a particular company. Right. Um, but aside from, and that's the, you know, the traditional end of, what I'm, you know, been spending my time with. I'm very excited about the future of DeFi. Um, I love every aspect of crypto, especially, you know, in that space because I understand the traditional space and I understand the benefits of having, you know, the blockchain right. and crypto. So I'm hoping to spend a lot more time with that space and kind of bridge awesome. the gap. Um, I've been working with some companies also on some, you know, some fundraising and but anyway, just just focusing more on on the crypto sector and how it relates specifically to the decentralized finance area.
0: Right. And do you think there's any way to include like NFT and metaverse projects one day into, you know, 401ks, you know, obviously crypto based 401ks. uh, And I know that could probably be a whole other rabbit hole in of itself. But do you see that being part of the future? Essentially, NFT companies being NFTs
1: I mean, represent you know a value that as long it's just like an you know an asset i mean it's a non-fungible token if we want to get into the technicalities of what it really is but it as right. long as it's backing up um a security of value um sure i mean the issue is all about like it would be similar or more similar to investing in a private company and having that pay plan right you, where the issue is if you you know with private companies you don't have the disclosure that you have public companies and that's why it's more of a risk and so you don't want participants to be putting all their money in very risky non-disclosed assets. right but if it's disclosed and uh, we, you know, you know the white paper people are vetting it and it's only a certain percentage of your portfolio then absolutely there's no no reason you should have an issue that's why i always tell people that i'm a big fan of crypto try to get into you know have a crypto ira or just do your own you know if you if you still have really good fees. And you you know putting it in an range you know do that on the side, but yeah. just be mindful of what percentage you're you know putting in there. Yeah. Um, of course, being risky means you know you risk getting a higher return versus you know putting that conservative. Right. It Depends on where you are. Like you know, do you need this money for retirement? Um, you know, how many years do you have to retire? How many do you have so those are questions that you have to ask yourself um, when you're investing in anything you Know it could be crypto or money that. Uh, there's always a trend, it's like real estate was really big one time, it's still making a lot of money,
2: but right,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, real estate will always be uh something that is highly coveted, desired, and it will always be a, you know, for the most part, a pretty steady, steady investment,
1: yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, if they're, they're just Charging more money when prices go up. So right, um, right. And if you get if you can get tenants, if you have that type of real estate play, um, yeah, you know, Commercial versus residential and all that. That's a whole different. Yeah,
2: thing. absolutely.
1: Um, but yeah, it's just about being diversified and um, anyway. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So that those are my goals: getting much more involved in DeFi and um, continuing with the four hundred one k business and trying to you
0: know, offer the best plans those companies. Got it. Well, listen, uh, I would say to all the viewers out there, if you're looking to get into cryptocurrency and you want to have 401 k's still play a part in your overall investment strategy, then I would behoove anybody, please reach out to Mariana Pruger on LinkedIn, Uh, you know, she was very informative today, expanding and elaborating on a lot of these concepts. And I think uh, something we can all admit here is that, you know, I think 401ks are more nuanced than I think a lot of people perceive. And if you can understand that nuance as to how it benefits you, then I would say to anybody, it is certainly worth the conversation with, uh, with Mariana, as far as combining those two ecosystems and worlds, you know, cryptocurrencies, and how that can be used to leverage 401k. So, uh, Mariana, thank you very much for coming on today and explaining your business, explaining the products, and also providing your take on uh, many of these interesting events. It's very illuminating and very informative.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. It's a pleasure.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And listen, thank you very much again, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: Awesome. Thank
0: you. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Take
1: care. (laughs) Bye.